breaking news. This just in from IBF. The world is coming to an end. We're all going to die. And you didn't get that forecast right. So what are we going to do about it? Let's get started. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Eric Wilson. I am your host for this podcast. I'm coming at you from a secret bunker somewhere in the middle of Kentucky right now. And I am the host of IBF On Demand. IBF On Demand, it's a new podcast coming to you. It's expanding our library of content. We have journals, we have blogs. This is one more piece and information provided for you, the membership as well. We're gonna be talking about forecasting, business forecasting, predictive analytics, SNOP, topics that are relevant to you. And I am excited as well. We do have a sponsor for this as well. And I can guarantee you they are coronavirus free. So I'm talking about Arkiva, your one plan SNOP software solution. So they're here to sponsor us through this and help us uh, provide this great content for you. And I'm happy to have them on board. We are going to be talking today, if you didn't guess from the introduction, not necessarily much about black uh, coronavirus, but about black swans. So that's what I'm going to be talking about. And black swans uh, originally came from a term, it was Nazium Nicholas Tylib. And I apologize if I butcher that name. I'll tell you right now, I don't do sounding out very well. So if the name's wrong, that's how I have it. It's a Nazium Nicholas Tylib. It's a 2007 book called The Black Swan. And a little bit of information for you about what exactly a black swan is. What we're talking about with black swan is something that you don't know exists. It came from in Australia talking about where they had only seen white swans. Everything they seen was a white swan. If you talk to someone and said, hey, do black swans exist? Of course, they're going to not know exactly what you're talking about. They can't, they can't conceive of it and rationalize what a black swan is going to look like. It's not until they finally see one until they understand exactly what it means and, and what it, and it does exist. We're talking about the same thing in our, in our planning. We have black swan events. These are things that we couldn't understand. We couldn't, we couldn't forecast them. We can't imagine they're going to occur because we've never seen them before. And right now, while I'm recording this, we're living through one of those events. And that's exactly what we're talking about now with these black swans. How do we forecast them? How do we prepare for them? Is there a way to understand them? What exactly do we need to do as demand planners, as forecasters, as analysts, as people part of your supply chain grasping for how do we get ahead of this? What exactly tools do we have? Now, according to Nicholas, I'll call him Nick, we're like this. According to Nicholas's book in 2007, The Black Swan, he talks about these unforecastable events and, and, and the impossibility to be able to forecast them. And there's some truth to that. There's a lot of truth to that is saying, how are you going to forecast the next global pandemic? You're not. Because if you could, then it's not really a black swan. So when we're talking about these black swan events, the first thing we're going to have to realize is 
We're not going to be able to forecast. We're not going to be able to understand what's going to happen. We're not going to be able to perfectly plan that end of the world that's coming. I'd be at miss if, talk, if I didn't talk a little bit about where we are right now. When I'm filming this right now, we're dealing with a global pandemic. COVID-19, uh, coronavirus, whatever we want to you know, label it right now. We're dealing with a global pandemic right now. And if you listen to the news, 24-hour news cycle, it really, it can be quite unknown and scary to people of what exactly is going to happen because we don't know. Personally, I think a lot of this is we're dealing with the first uh, Google pandemic. What I mean by that is, you know, when you look at the search results right now on, on uh, Google, number one by far is coronavirus outpacing anything else. People want information. They're trying to get information and they're getting a lot of information right and wrong. So when you're looking at this, when you're looking at news, they try to keep pace with that because they don't want you to turn off their TV and turn on your on the internet. So they're really trying to keep pace with that and giving you this information right and wrong. All that aside, what we're dealing with is the unknown. And that's feeding fear. That's feeding this cycle we're living in right now. But there's a lot of underlying concerns with it as well. It's it's going to impact millions before we're done with it. That's a fact. And when you're looking at from a business perspective, it's going to impact us. If it already hasn't, it guaranteed will. It's going to have a major impact on supply chains. A lot of these companies that contract manufacturing and getting from China where it first hit, you're going to see that impact directly in your, in your companies. You're going to have to start looking at second sources. You're going to have to, when they open up ports, how do you get this influx of uh, items that's coming into the port? There's going to be a backlog right out of the gate. I know one company, for example, they ordered last October. They placed orders for spring merchandise because they wanted to get ahead of Chinese New Year. Because every year they have the same problem with Chinese New Year. And if you deal with China, you, you understand. They shut down for three to four weeks and they're not shipping so, and then you really have to prioritize if you're not one of these larger companies to be able to get in line to get stuff out of China either before or right after Chinese New Year's opens up and is done. So they prioritize and in October, they got orders in. It's now going to be till after May before they get these products in. And as I said, these were spring merchandise that they were doing, dealing with. They're going to miss their season. It's going to take an impact. And they're not alone. There's a lot of companies dealing with this in the supply chain. And the full impact of that is yet to be realized. There's also going to be a major financial hit as well. Markets are, you know, squeamish right now. You're seeing uh, we just hit a bear, another bear market. Uh, We're going to see, I mean, if you look at statistically, when we hit these bear markets, you're looking at 13 months before we come out. Maybe not. I'll preface since it was, I'm a forecaster as well. So chances are I'm wrong, but I'm just telling you what the averages are. What the probabilities are is we're going to see a 13 month before you start seeing recovery from this. That's statistics. That's the, that's the averages that we're looking at. There's other people saying that we could see, you know, an upturn in, you know, third or fourth quarter. Either way, you're looking at the first and second quarter. This is going to have a severe impact on financials. Banks are going to start maybe struggling with liquidity unless you see, you know, intervention happen. They're going to start seeing liquidity problems because people are looking to be able to fund this downturn in the economy. 
other companies are, small businesses, medium-sized, large business, oil is taking a hit right now. So that's impacting the banks as well. So you're going to see liquidity problems from the banks. So you're looking at the liquidity problems, the bank problems. You're looking at financial problems. You're looking, putting all these pieces together. Financially, we're going to see a big hit. We're talking trillions of dollars. So we've seen supply chain problems. We've seen financial problems for companies as well. Bringing this back to our podcast right now and what we're dealing with is professionals like me, like you. We're demand planners. We're analysts. We're predictive analytics. We do run SNOP processes. What's this look like in our world type situation? It's definitely going to have an impact on the consumer. There's no way around that. It will impact our consumers. In a lot of countries like, you know, Italy, they're pretty much forced to stay home with the exception of uh, grocery, pharmacy, uh, things of necessities. You're not seeing retail businesses occur there anymore. But even if that's less draconian in some of the Western states where it's optional that they recommend we don't have, you know, those types of uh, quarantines. People naturally will start staying home. You're going you're gonna to see definite downturn in consumer spending. Not only because consumer sentiment, the VEX are looking at you know, volatility, but you're looking at consumer sentiments as well. They're off the scale as far as, I mean, is negatively. So you have this negative consumer, they're not going to go out and shop. It's not just the coronavirus. We've seen this with other things as well. Uh, after 9-11 in, in the States, we had an equal downturn temporarily in the economy where people stayed home. After you had a hurricane, you see not only in that region consumer spending restrict, but nationwide a, a slight restriction in consumer spending. We've seen traditionally in any type of traumatic event, people generally don't go out. It's part of the, what they call the comfort model. Uh, the comfort model where people will actually restrict to their lowest common denominator where family, friends, people that they're most comfortable with, and they, they, they conjugate in those smaller groups and they don't go out. They don't, aren't socializing as much. They're not becoming uh, you know, the spenders they were and the consumer you know, you know, they were. And this is a problem because we are in a consumer-driven economy most, most in the West as well. So you take away that consumer-driven economy, you have financial problems, you have supply chain problems. We're looking at the trifecta that occur right now. So not to scare you any more than everything else is, I'm just telling you, this is the black swan. This is the black swan that you really couldn't predict, but it's happening. So once again, should we have gotten ahead of it? What do we do now? And I really want to relate this because we're talking about a traumatic event, and I mean, there's going to there's going to be tragedy with this, and uh, I I feel and pray for those people that they are impacted. Uh, I don't want anybody impacted by this, but there will be people impacted personally, and and I feel feel for you. Uh, but I'm not just talking about this event right now, because when we're really talking about black swans, we're talking about anything that occur, and I want. We're going to get through this. We're all going to get through this. We're going to be fine. There, there's there's a, a, a light at the end of this tunnel, even though we can't see it right now. 
And it may be a couple years from now, maybe a couple months from now. I don't know. But we will get through it because we're resourceful and we're, I mean, we're people. That's what we do. We've gotten through worse in the past. But at the same time, while we're getting through it, it's going to be difficult. And eventually, we're going to have another black swanaker. And I want this to, you know, four or five years from now, or hopefully 20, 30 years from now, someone's watching this video and saying, hey, things have been great for 20 years, but guess what? This thing just occurred that I never imagined happened, and I couldn't tell you what it is. And you're watching this video to try to get a little security and understanding then. And hopefully this still applies. These foundational pieces apply, whether it's going to be an act of terror, whether it's you're looking at natural disasters that occur, whether it could be economic, political, uh, cultural. So what exactly can we do about this? What does that prepare look like? When we're talking about preparing, how do you prepare for something that's unknown? It really goes into, first and foremost, understanding what you're forecasting. And what I mean by what we're trying to forecast is we're not forecasting a number. I mean, a lot of, we, I've been guilty of this as well, of how many are we going to sell next month? What's, what's the forecast for this new item two months from now, three months from now, a year from now? What's how many dollars we're going to do in, in, in revenue next quarter? We get hung up on that number, but that's not really what we're forecasting. And what I mean by that is we're forecasting a behavior. We're forecasting a transaction that is linked to a person generally. So when we're talking about what we're forecasting, we have to understand our customers. We have to understand how they're buying, when they buy, what they buy. And with that, as we understand those behaviors, we understand how they react. Because we've had other black swans. We've had other types of uh, interruptions in supply chains. We've had other financial downturns in the past. So if we understand those consumers, not forecasting the number, but forecasting the consumers, if we understand those consumers, we can better understand how they react to these triggers in the future. And once we understand those things, we then can be more agile and reactive when things do occur. And we can understand those risks before they occur and look at ways to mitigate those risks the best we can without even knowing what those events may be. And that really goes back to really bringing those predictive analytics, bringing in those external factors, bringing in those consumer sentiments, being able to understand behavior, understanding those, really the better we can understand those consumers, the better we can then turn those, in, those data points into insights that then says, okay, this is what is happening. This is how I think my consumer is going to react. We're... I should say up front, we're preparing. You're not going to forecast the black swan. You're not going to forecast the end of the world. But we can understand how we react to those things and how the consumer reacts to those things. And some things to think about when we're talking about that consumer is, what are the key selling season? 
I, I mentioned the one company that said, hey, we ordered for the spring season back in October. They're going to miss a selling season. And that selling season doesn't come back. I was in a mattress industry for 10 years. And for some reason in the States, presidents somehow end up selling mattresses, meaning we have a President's Day every year and they have mattress sales. And people generally have been conditioned over years to go during President's Day week and buy mattresses. And that wasn't really pent up demand. If you miss that selling season, people would wait generally the next year. You, would, you didn't get the fall and, and winter selling of mattresses back then. So you had a unique selling season. And that's just one example. Most companies really can understand what their seasonality is. But it's more than seasonality. It's what a true selling season may be for them. Because that selling season doesn't generate pent-up demand when you don't get it then. It generally goes away and you miss out on those sales. So you have to understand that as consumers buying behavior and say, okay, when do they buy? And if they don't buy, then would they buy some other time? So we need, you need to understand those aspects of the consumer. You also need to understand what type of product and how it, how they are receiving it, the why they are buying as well. Is it, is it a staple or discretionary uh, uh, income that's really deciding if they're going to be buying your product because the other side of it too, because you have to understand during these, these traumatic events, there's winners as, as, as ugly as that says, you can say there's winners during this. There's a lot of staples right now, right now that in the, in the States, we have shortages of toilet paper because of the coronavirus. I'm not quite sure why people are making a run on toilet paper it's not going to be much good if they're sitting at home without food. But there's a run on toilet paper. There's shelves empty. People stockpiling toilet paper. Okay. I think it, it, it's just a mob mentality that created itself. That's beside the point. It's still a staple product. And that staple product has seen a surge. So when you're looking at your customer, potentially... Is it something that is a staple that would increase the sales? Another great example of this. During hurricanes, do you know what the mo the number one item people generally buy is down in those areas? Pop-Tarts. And not just any Pop-Tarts. Generally, it's the strawberry Pop-Tarts. It's the, it's, the, it's the ones that you remember as your child. It's the comfort food. Pop-Tarts. So guess what they do when a hurricane's coming to an area in Florida, you know, the coast here, east coast of the United States, stores are going to put end caps of strawberry Pop-Tarts. They've learned this over time. It's a staple item that's generally bought when there's impeding type of disasters that occur. So understanding those consumers, understanding what they buy during certain unforecastable events allows them to react very quickly and be able to get ahead of it and be able to maximize the potential up front during these events. So I'm, I hate to say winners, but there is different consumers that will behave in buying more of your product during times like this as well.
But there is the flip side of that. There's the discretionary spending. We talked in nauseam about the financial impacts that's going to be occurring. And there's most likely, I mean, we're going in to the economy very strong. Unemployment's at all-time lows across the board. But string this out for a year, it may have an impact. And either then, even then, with the comfort model, when you're looking at this, you know, people uh, not spending like they used to, p- consumer spending is going to be strict, especially discretionary spending. So if it's a large item that really is based on whether they're going to get the toilet paper or get a new car, right now the toilet paper is going to win. So you have to understand your consumer and exactly how they buy, not only when they buy, but how they buy as well. You have to understand where they buy. And what I mean by this is the channels as well. Right now, the thing I think the thing that's going to be the biggest, you know, biggest impact to our economy right now is despite everything you hear about Amazon and online and omnichannel, and a lot of it we talk about here as well. Despite all of that, in reality, 80% of transactions right now are face-to-face. One person to another person. And if that if we're talking social distancing and that doesn't occur anymore, either by uh, mandate or self-discretion, then we're looking at the possibility of, of a lot of companies looking at those channels that they rely on for sales not occurring. So you have to understand the where they purchase. Is your consumer really, is, is it a, is it really in the hospitality? If you're looking at, you know, a service industry, uh, how your consumer consumes your good and where they consume your good, or is it really, are you an omni-channel business? If you're an omni-channel business, is it that same consumer? What do they do and how do they do things? So where are they going to be going? And you will see more and more going online during this time. And are you prepared for that? Do you have the infrastructure to be able to take care of that? And are you forecasting the right distribution then of that mix change to an online customer? But it really goes back to understanding that consumer, understanding the who, understanding the what, where type situation, the when, asking those general questions about who your customer is. Because those are the important things to understand. Because if we get to that, then we can better be able to react to these unknown events. The other thing we have to understand, we, we can't be blind to, is this is a company problem generally. There's a supply chain that's probably in a lot more stress than you are trying to find goods and bringing goods in. Because their job, number one, is to have that product at the right place at the right time in the right amount. And they are struggling to try to meet that. And some are doing a fantastic job with not knowing how, but being able to, you know, think of creative ways of being able to meet their customer needs the best way they can still. But there's going to be disruptions. There's going to be supply chain problems. There's going to be company problems. You may see it in media, media spent. Okay, if we're looking at 
looking at lines of credits, looking at, uh, you know, different covenants that might be in struggle at a company because of uh, what we see as far as our you know, debt to you know, uh, debt and things of that sort. If those things have become a concern, I'll guarantee one of the things that's going to start getting hit is marketing dollars. I'm already hearing it. I'm already hearing talk companies, companies starting to talk about starting to restrict their marketing spend. So when you start seeing that marketing spend down, what impacts are going to have on your company when you're already seeing a consumer slow down as well? Is it a double impact? Is it really just riding the wave and it's not going to, you know, not going to impact it, but there's going to have be some kind of impact. There's things that what I'm trying to say, I'm probably doing a horrible job saying it, but what I'm trying to say now is there's things the company does that does impact your forecast, whether it be, we don't have the product because we ordered it last October and it never came here. You need to kind of understand that in the forecasting. If it's, Hey, we can't get, you know, this lane truck is a logistics issue. So we're not going to have uh, inventory in this area. You need to understand that if it could be marketing saying, Hey, we're going to stop all digital media because we have to really find dollars. And this is the first place we're going to look at. You need to understand those things. Those things go back to the impact you have on sales as well. So you need to have that picture in mind as well. And all these things I'm talking about, if you're doing them now, great. You got to start sometime, but we really need to start doing this a few years ago. So don't get discouraged though. Start today, start seeing what you can get and build towards because we will get through this, but you're going to need to be prepared because all I'm talking about now is prepared. Those people rushing out and getting toilet paper right now, if they don't have any, it's too late. I'm in my secret bunker here in Kentucky. Don't worry. I have toilet paper among a lot of other supplies. I'm set, but it's because I prepared ahead of time. I'm doing the same thing here. I'm talking to you about preparing. Everything we're talking about is preparation. And then the last thing I'm going to talk about is really that is the cost. We need to understand that cost of over or under forecasting because we're going to miss this. You may way over forecast it. What's the cost of under forecasting as well? There's cost involved. Cause I said, it's okay to understand the consumer and understand what, how they may react to something in the future. We don't know about, but we were, if we're going to mitigate it, we have to start understanding those costs and we have to understand the cost. Cause right now I said, this could be a few weeks or it could be a few years. If we overreact right now, and it ends up being a few weeks and we do have pent up demand and that comes back strong, you won't be ready. If you underreact right now and you don't aren't, you know, react enough, you can end up heavy in inventory, tying up cash and causing even more problems during a downturn. So you really need to understand that cost of over and under forecasting. That's one of the hardest things to get to. And one of the questions I get a lot and we as Demand planners, forecasters, as part of the business, really need to work on collaboratively with other functions to really start understanding what that means. Because when you understand that, it helps the company make decisions. So besides understanding consumers, besides understanding your channels, besides understanding what impact other functions do, work collaboratively 
to start understanding the cost of those decisions and as far as impact of forecast air and what air means to your company as far as dollars. Dollarizing that forecast, dollarizing bias, dollarizing over forecast, dollarizing under forecast is an, a critical piece to be able to help decision making, to help mitigate risk, but also take opportunities when they come around too. So we need to understand that as well. IBF.org actually has a great worksheet. I, I highly recommend. If you haven't been to the site, obviously go to the site. But they have actually a worksheet that Dr. Jane helped put together that talks about those costs. You, you can fill in exactly what your revenue is, what your inventory is, all the different financial pieces. And then it will actually help calculate what that over forecast and under forecast cost you as an organization. It's a great benchmark. It's a great tool. It's fantastic to give you those, those baselines that you then can work with other functions in the organization to, you know, pressure test and say, Hey, is this, this, this right? Are we looking at this from a financial perspective? What am I missing? What other components do we need to put in and then work on it together as an organization to go dollarize that over and under forecast so you can help decision-making. All those things are preparatory, things that, that will help you prepare for what may come in the future. Both risk, both opportunities, all black swans. And that's really that first step that you can take ahead of time. So what exactly is next? Be honest, I don't know what's next. But I know what's next for me. And I know what can be next for you. I mean, keep those principles and everything at stake. But for us, it's going to be more of this. We're going to keep talking. We're going to keep these podcasts going. So what's next for us is being able to keep doing this. So in closing, my recommendations is, first of all, you view this responsibly from at least social distancing. So when you view this podcast, be at least six feet away when you view this podcast and make sure you wash your hands afterwards. But before you do that, make sure you hit that like button. You got to hit the like button. You got to support us. We're a membership organization. This is a community. We're people just like you. If you haven't been, first of all, if you're not a member actually of IBF, please, I don't know what you're waiting for. It's relatively inexpensive. You get this content like this, plus access to the journal, past articles, a library resource that goes back years and decades of information that you can go back on. We talked about the uh, able to look at your cost of your over and over under forecasting. Those are available for members as well. Maturity models, a wealth of information and materials. So if you're a member, please Become a member of IBF. Go to IBF.org and become a member. Because that's what we're about. It's people that are doing the forecast, are in the trenches, having the problems, doing this on a day-to-day -day basis, trying to figure out what exactly we need to do next is the people like myself, like yourself, that's in this together. So we're a community and, and we really need to stick together, especially during these times. And one of the ways is to make sure you become a member, like this, support this, Make sure that you share this video. We're going to continue to do them. We're going to continue to talk to people like you, 
bringing in uh, thought leaders and talk on these as well. It's going to be an exciting uh, journey we're going to be going through together. We're thankful that Arkiva, your SNOP software solution, more than that, demand, uh, supply, inventory, segmentation. It's a complete package. Everything you need to uh, know and do in a software solution. I'm happy Arkiva's on board. Thank you for sponsoring. I'm happy you're on board and watched all the way through the end now. So I will see you in the next podcast. And thank you very much. And don't forget, wash your hands.